The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Welcome to another corn-filled edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I am your host, Lenny. How are you guys? I hope this podcast finds you well. Today, the podcast travels to my new home state, which is Iowa, and I talk to brothers who are cops in neighboring agencies and even do the part-time thing in an agency together. So it's it's interesting. It was very informative for me as a guy that potentially could look into law enforcement out here. And a lot of it is, frankly, eye-opening, and, and these guys are good dudes, so I think you guys will really enjoy the podcast. It was a lot of fun to record. But before we get into the podcast, i got to give thanks to the sponsor of this podcast, and this episode is sponsored by Assurance Arms, the pride and joy of Mills River, North Carolina. Assurance Arms is owned by Scott Hawkins. Scott is a 30-year cop. During his time in uniform, he worked patrol, canine, investigations, narcotics, and, and he even served in a task force with a federal agency. Prior to law enforcement, Scott served the Army for five years and traveled the world. Scott has a deep passion for firearms and the shooting sports and transferred that passion into his second career as a gun shop owner. And again, that is Assurance Arms, assurancearms.com, and they have a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, all that good stuff. I will share those links on the podcast description and on the meme page. I did want to add in there about these guys, which is uh, very important to note. They have an NFA they're able to sell NFA items, so they've got the good stuff. So check these guys out. Again, assurancearms.com. All right, now uh, before we get into the podcast, I guess it's time to play a little bit of music, isn't it? And according to my and according to my Excel document that is very well organized. And next up, we got the boys from Blacktop Rodeo. And their hit song, This Ain't a Love Song. We'll be right back with the podcast. Just for you to take a chance to throw back your shot All right, now the next people to enter my dungeon digitally, but almost in person because they are in my new home state of Iowa. I have the legends themselves, Rick and Morty. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good. How's it going, man? Good, man. I guess I should have let into who should answer that because there's two of you motherfuckers. <laughs> so Rick is good. Morty, how are you, pal? Doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you? Oh, I'm just I'm living a dream. Thanks for asking. Before we get going and talk about the really important stuff about Iowa, what I need to know, 
is what are you guys drinking? Rick, what are you drinking tonight? I am just about done with an old fashioned, and I'm sure I'll have a few more of those tonight. An old fashioned's like a girly man's drink, right? Uh, well, it's like straight whiskey with like just a little bit of other stuff in it. So, well, what's the other stuff? Uh, it's really just like simple syrup and whiskey and a little bit of water, and that's it. Like it's mostly whiskey. Well, why add in the fluff? Well, that's how. You- Are you there? He must be breaking out. <laughs> He must. Well, and he the background was really bad, too. So we'll fuck him for a while. He can figure himself out. Morty, what are you having to drink? Well, I am the buzzkill here. I just got off shift, so I'm actually just drinking a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> what a fucking lame ass. I guess I can't talk shit about an old fashioned for a guy that's an alcoholic. I really don't know much about drinks, so I don't even fucking know what an old fashioned is. If you ask me what an old fashioned is, that's a hand job. But I, I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> that is something that I don't drink. So that's that's him exclusively. Rick, are you back yet? He's ruining my podcast. Can you hear me, man? I can't hear you now. Sort yourself out. Figure it out, bud. Fucking figure it out. It sounds like uh, we have Rick back with us now. He's fucking figured it out. You know what it is, Iowa? You know, there's probably not good internet here. The reason you two are interesting, because there's nothing interesting about Iowa. Actually, that's a lie. We're going to talk about that. But you guys are actually brothers that work in the same agency and then work in some other agencies close by, right? Yeah, that's right. So who's the older brother, Rick or Morty? That would be Morty. Okay. Yeah, you sound like more mature, not drinking girly drinks. I'm going to have a bunch of fucking hate messages for people saying, hey, old fashioned's a man's drink. No, it's a hands job, okay? It's a fucking hand job. Have you guys been cops the same amount of time or a little bit different? Fairly close. Yeah, it's been pretty similar. Um, we've kind of We kind of went down... Similar but different paths to do it, but I think overall, if you look at just the years doing it, it's been it's been pretty pretty close. Morty, how long have you been a cop? Um, I actually started just before uh, my brother did. It would have been 2012. Um, I was full time for about a year, and then left the job. Kind of came back right after he started full time. So I've got. Three full-time years in, and then between part-time and reserves, I got another three. Okay. Rick, how long do you have on? So I started as a reserve at the end of 2013, uh, the ripe old age of 18, and did that. Wait, you can start as reserve? Buddy, you can be a full-timer at 18. Are you shitting me? I'm dead-ass serious. And this is one of those states, and I know how you feel about this, that you can be on the road full gun and arrest powers and everything before you even go to the academy well i knew that because i i talked to a chief out here but which it is what it is i god i can't believe 18 though that's insane i i thought it was 21 nationwide that's pretty young dude i couldn't imagine like me at 18 being a cop now morty you're the oldest you can you can answer the question truthfully is rick a mature person was he mature at 18 to be a cop uh, surprisingly, yes. Uh, he, he. Obviously, I'm a little bit older than him by several years. So while I was full time, he was writing a lot with me. So he kind of had an idea of what he wanted to do, and I think it kind of kept him on the path of I got to stay in the uh, the mindset to not do any wrong to keep my record clean. So he was actually fairly mature for his age. I'll give him that. That's a polite way of saying I was lame. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty fucking lame, man. I feel like in Iowa, there's not a whole lot to do to get in trouble except going all out into the meth. 
I mean, that, that's the that's the illegal activities of illegal activities in Iowa, right? I mean, you either got some of the younger guys that are doing some of the normal stupid stuff like going to farm parties and drinking and driving and that. And other than that, yeah, you pretty much just go from zero to meth around here. <laughs> zero to meth. I like it. I got to admit, I'm a really bad podcast host. And I forgot to say what I was drinking. I was too focused on your hand jobs. I've got a Zigmeister. Have you guys heard of a Zigmeister? No, I have not. Probably haven't. They're out actually out of New Jersey and I acquired it. I have a bunch of different ones to try, but this one's the, the Zigmeister black lager. It's called the Miner. So I, I have high hopes for this, man. I hope it's not disappointing. But after I, I try this beer, I want to talk about Iowa before we get into policing. That's not too bad. That's a good fucking beer. Fantastic. All right. Now let's talk about Iowa. That's how you do radio, folks. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to one of the Facebook questions right away because there's a lot of shit talking about Iowa, which is understandable. But basically, you know, a lot of the comments were like, is there actually anything to do in Iowa? And Iowa's the lamest state. I would disagree with that, but I haven't lived here that long. I'll ask each of you guys. Rick, is Iowa the lamest state in the union? I wouldn't say it's the lamest one, but you definitely got to look a little harder to find shit to do. Well, I mean, not even like policing wise. Hey, there's still a lot of feedback, man. Oh, let me see if I can fix it. Unplug it and plug it back in. There you go. Fucking shit up again. That's what I do. Is that any better? Uh, it's only bad when I talk. I f- feel like I hear like a little bit of feedback, but I don't hear it right now. So I think it's okay. Let me turn down my volume. See if it's that's part of the problem. It could be. Probably All right. How's that? Sitting on your couch, reverberating now- sound back. Yeah, sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, masturbating. Why does the podcast? Uh, yeah, well, yes, the old fashioned. Yeah, that is an old fashioned. You know, that's right. That's one of my dad's favorite jokes, by the way. You guys have heard that joke, right? What's that? Okay, so the joke is there's a guy who goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, my dick has turned orange. Doctor goes, What? What the fuck? What? I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Well, have you changed anything in your life? And he's like, Well, I'm, you know, recently unemployed and, I sit at home and watch Jerry Springer and eat Cheetos. That would make sense. <laughs> <in> my <attention. laughs> So there's the first poorly made joke of the day. Well, Morty, what do you think? Is, is Iowa the lamest state in the union? I don't think that it is. I've, I've been to several states and seen what they have to offer. And yeah, we may not have a lot of things to do around here, but um, we do have a few things to give you something to do on the weekends. Granted, pretty much wherever you live, you have a drive to go to those places unless you live in the big city. Yeah. And I'm one of those guys. I don't really mind the drive. So that doesn't really bug me. You know, where I live, there's a few things within like 10, 15 minutes, but otherwise I got to, you know, drive 30 minutes, maybe an hour, hour and a half. It doesn't bug me, but I know some people it really does. But if you live in a big city, if you want to go to the other side of town to do something, you're driving in traffic, you're on the fucking road for an hour. Anyway, what's the fucking difference? Well, and I think that's an accepted thing just from the Midwest that like you're going to have to drive to go anywhere Ope. and do anything interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. Now, where you guys are at, do you guys have a Casey's in your proximity? Yeah. I also have a Casey's in the community that I serve, yes. Why is Casey's pizza so good? It's because meth heads cook it. I don't know what it is, man, but those meth heads, they know how to cook pizza. Meth and pizza. Uh, that's an early front runner for the name of the podcast. 
anybody that's been to Casey's, you fucking know the pizza is good, especially when you get it hot and fresh and it's greasy as shit. There's nothing better. Even the stale pizza is not bad. I, I don't know what it is. I was really surprised when I moved here. People are like, oh, yeah, you got to go to Casey's. You got to get the pizza. And I was like from a fucking gas station. But it's it's fucking legit. Oh, yeah, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm more prone to the breakfast pizza than anything else. I don't really care for the, the pizza they serve out during the day or your pepperoni or sausage. I'd rather have the breakfast pizza. The breakfast pizza by far and away is the best. And if you have never had breakfast pizza, it's worth a drive to Iowa to go to Casey's and get some breakfast pizza. Especially if you're hungover. It's Hell like 10 yeah. times better that way. Well, speaking of gas stations, I actually lived in San Antonio, Texas for a little over a year. So I am well-versed in the wonderful gas station that is Bucky's. I need to know more about Bucky's. I actually have some Bucky socks that my uh, my old partner from my old apartment, they moved down to Texas and she sent me out some Bucky socks because I like fun socks and they are fun socks. They have a beaver on them and everything. That's a good fucking place, man. I can't hype up enough. So is a Bucky's superior to a Casey's? Yes. I just want to let you guys know that the last podcast I had was uh, John Mattingly from louisville who got shot and we're talking about bucky's and casey's on this podcast so we got some big shoes to fill we'll do our best that's definitely a transition (laughs) yeah you know i i feel like um it got a little real there for the last couple podcasts so now it needs to be more cheeky and fun shenanigans Uh, i would say for anybody that's not from iowa that's never lived in iowa it's really not that bad i mean there are places where it's pretty flat but Iowa's not as flat as everybody says no there's definitely some good places yeah, it depends on where you go. If you if you go over towards the western side of the state, it's pretty flat. But definitely in the northeast, there's a, a vast majority of uh, hills and bluffs that are up there. And there's there's quite a few of them that are pretty tall, pretty tall. Yeah, there's I don't know. I've found stuff to do in trails and all kinds of stuff. Now, is it is it Colorado? Am I on the footstep of the Rockies? No, it's not. But it's there's not communist and there's not bums on the side of the trail and needles everywhere. So I'm going to go ahead and say my trail is just fine. Let's talk about Iowa itself. Iowa. Is that a good place? Is it a good place to be a cop? And that this is information that I need to know. Rick, we'll start with you. I think it's probably one of the better places to be a cop. I very rarely run into people that are anti-police and that might be because I stay outside of the big cities for the most part, but uh, it's it's definitely one of those places where you still got people walking up, shaking your hands and thanking you for your service, as awkward as that can be. But it's it's a really good place and you still have a, a lot of community support. And I I think it's probably one of the, the better states in the country to be in right now. What do you think about that, Morty? Um, I, I, that I sounded like agree. a toilet flushing. <clears throat> that was the feedback on your name. So I'm not sure where it was coming from. <laughs> God, is it really me? That would be embarrassing. I'm here know. blaming you guys. Right, well, um, let's start over again. So, Morty, what do you what do you have to say about that? Oh, well, I definitely just uh, agree with um, what my brother said. Um, I think that this state is one of the better states to work in. Um, predominantly, it's a red state, um, so that's obviously a bonus for law enforcement. Um, where where we are, there it's mostly farmers. Um, the small towns that are around here, they're very community oriented. Um, when I do my shift, it's a lot of the same gestures. Everyone's doing hand waves. Everyone wants to wave at the cop, smile. You know, the kids point you out when you drive by. Um, they want law enforcement to be included in a lot of their 
community activities. Um, we just did uh, the Easter um, egg hunt thing that they do in town, um, which we actually had a parade where I lead the parade and they have a little bunny on a um, float that waves at the kids and hands out candy and stuff like that. Um, when they do their community events with the school, like they do plays, uh, they actually did a cameo where they wanted me to come on to the stage and, and arrest one of the people that was uh, performing and everyone kind of got a kick out of it. It's, I, I kind of look at it as classic, like fifties where you still have that hometown feel where everyone wants to know everyone and they want everyone to be involved. And I, I think where we are, um, no matter what we do in law enforcement, we seem to have a lot of support in comparison to a lot of other states, especially the South. My brother and I were just talking about this. Pay-wise, we're actually fairly high up there, what we can articulate. Um, there's a lot of departments that pay very well in this state. Um, I think it has to do partly with the governor and her back the blue bill. So a lot of the sheriff's offices have gotten substantial raises, um, which has also trickled down to the city entities because they're trying to be competitive. But um, if pay-wise, I'd say we're definitely um, up there in, in one of the top places to work for. I mean, you're not going to be making six figures being a road deputy, but I mean, you can make a decent living around here with the cost of living and for the most part, everyone's always friendly and always wants to sit and talk to you. If I'm sitting and running radar, I've got people that'll walk up and want to just talk to me about my day or invite me to their kid's graduation. I mean, it's a very close knit community. Yeah. And that's why I like it out here. And I, I don't know, there's something about small town living that people trash, but they don't really understand. And, and I can say this coming from the big city, you know, the big city talks all this thing about you know, community and community involvement, nobody shows up to big city meetings. No one actually cares about each other in a big city. Nobody knows their neighbors in a big city. That's actually a thing out in the small towns, the small towns that people like to trash. So I don't know that that was a thing for me. I really liked. And, you know, cause I, I grew up in a big city and I went to high school in a smaller town and then I ended up going back to the big city and I think when you're in high school, you're like, ah, oh, I want to fucking move to the city. You don't realize how good it is to live out in the country. And when I say country, I think any town, like even over like or under 10,000 people, I would consider a country town. Um, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's just a, a much better quality of life. Now, specific to Iowa, as far as crime goes in rural Iowa, which I can't say rural, right? Did I say it right? I don't think or I did. other or other. God, it's so bad, dude. And. I didn't even know I did it until I started doing this podcast. So you're like dairy is, with breakfast. That's all I can say think what of now? when I hear you say it. I said you sound like dairy when he tries to say breakfast. That's all I think of when I hear breakfast? you say other breakfast. Um, yeah, which your brother wouldn't get because he doesn't watch Letter Kenny because he's a fucking degen. I'm lame like that. <laughs> Just to throw it out there, my wife can't say bag. So it's, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I can't see, uh, say other. She can't say bag, so it's even. I had a uh, high school teacher that pronounced iron, iron. Iron? I like iron. That. I like that a lot. But crime, what's in a rural area of Iowa, what is what kind of crime are you looking at, Rick? Um, I, I think a lot of it, is, for the most part, is revolving around uh, the drug game. You can get a lot of meth addicts that are stealing shit to support their habit. We, we're getting a lot of catalytic converter thefts like a lot of other people are right now, uh, a lot of burglaries uh, and you get your normal petty shit that you get anywhere else. But I would say probably 
75% of the crime that we get has to do with the drug game. Is that about right, Morty? Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that he's saying there. I mean, there's doesn't matter what community you are around. There's going to be a trickle effect from people from the big city that are trying to get out of their area and go to the rural areas. To, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, to uh, get their fix or run their dope or whatever they're doing. Um, so, yeah, we get a lot of thefts. Um, surprisingly, I've had more like sexual assaults than I kind of anticipated when I took this job, which was kind of surprising. But, yeah, it, it's mostly your petty thefts, a couple of burglaries around here, um, and then just your generic what you would find in any other community for violations. So, Morty, you have kind of a unique position where you're actually the chief of a small town, right? Yes, I am uh, one of one in the community that I work. Do you guys, do you have any reserves or anything like that? Or that's it? Nope. No reserves. Just, just what you're looking at. Um, we're actually working on a, a 28 E agreement with a, a community that's about 10 miles away um, to give me a little reprieve for time where I'm away that they're going to assist at least in emergency calls to kind of hold on to them until I either get on scene if I'm out of town or to at least handle some of them for me while I'm off to kind of enjoy my time away. Who's your backup? Uh, that would be the local sheriff's office. And is there any issue with that? I assume. Here's my experience with Iowa. The counties are all very small and a lot of agencies don't have a whole lot of manpower. So like if there was something pressing, would you have cover right away or could it be a while? Um, our sheriff's office has um, pretty much two people dedicated to the road on each shift, um, which probably doesn't sound like a lot specifically from where you came from um it's probably I have two people in my beat sometimes <laughs> yeah we <laughs> ours is like 30 by 30 miles um for the county so it's quite large especially if they're on the southwest corridor of our county um i'm up in the northeast side so for them to have to come from that location over here i've waited you know 15 minutes sometimes 20 depending on the urgency of the call, but even them running hot, um, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get here, which is partly why we are trying to sign an agreement with the city that's 10 miles away, because that's probably going to be my closest backup. Yeah. I, I don't know that it just boggles my mind that that's how policing is, but that, I, it is, I mean, I, you know, my experience was, you know, limited to the big city and it's, it's just so wild me hearing like, Oh yeah, I'm the only guy here in town. And so are you basically on call 24 seven? Uh, I am. That's correct. That sucks. I mean, it it sounds like it sucks. Um, but, you know, if you actually looked at our numbers, I don't really have a very high call volume. So the likelihood of me getting called out over a span of a year, you know, I might get called maybe 25 times on my time off. Um, the other majority of the calls, I try to schedule myself around where the call volume would typically occur which is obviously going to be during the day, predominantly after school is out um, for your assaults or domestic at home. So yeah, I, I try to be flexible with my hours and change it up. So I'm not always working the same schedule because obviously you don't want people to know being that you're by yourself, what your hours are. So it's definitely different, but it's got a lot of flexibility. Um, the city allows me to work whatever schedule I want, whatever hours I want, as long as I get my hours in. Do you have 
administrative duties too, or is it pretty limited just basically because you're a one man show? I mean, it depends on how you look at it with administrative duties. I do have um, bi-monthly city council meetings. So if I have agenda reports or if I have something I need to purchase or talk about, I do have to have all that stuff prepped, which I do by myself. Um, I do all my scheduling and payroll stuff. The only thing is, is I submit it to our clerk who actually runs it and processes it. Um, but yeah, as, as far as the administrative stuff, there's not a whole lot to do, but anytime that there is, I am the one that has to do all of it. Now, Rick, are you jealous that your brother's a chief and you're not? I am absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with that. You're a deputy, right? Yeah. Do you guys also have a sister? An older sister, yes. But um, do you get offended up the deputy memes? No. Okay. You know, and I, I got to say, I love the deputies because they're such good sports about it. But fuck, man, if I make fun of a city bun or a city cop with a man bun, do they lose their mind and they throw their hydro flask to the ground and they get really pissed off? But you you deputies, you guys have a good sense of humor. So I do appreciate that. Well, you can't make fun of those, those city guys because then they'll be all pouty for their TikTok videos and nobody wants that. I don't know, man. I've seen some deputies. The, the worst TikTok videos are the cringe deputies. I, I got to say. I don't actually have TikTok, so I don't have a, a good perspective you're, on it. You're good. You know what? And I, I don't have it either, but I just, I just saw one that always stuck with me. And I was like, this is so bad. Like he was like, you know, just some fat guy sitting on his couch. And then there was like a lightning strike. And then he was in his fucking deputy uniform. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You're still fat. Like the lightning strike didn't change that. So now you're a deputy. Do you guys work in the same county or are you in a different county? Uh, I am in a different county, but it is a bordering county to where he works. Is your call? I would assume since you're, a, you know, you got more than like one dude on you guys' call volumes a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah, it's I live in a very rural community, so it's it's not high by any means, but it yeah, it's it's more than what his city would be. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm curious, because I guess it depends on where you are in the country. But if there's an accident on the highway. Are the deputies taking it in Iowa or do you guys call in state to take care of it? Uh, it would depend on where the closest trooper would be when it happened. I'm going to respond regardless. Um, I'm also an EMT, so I'm going to go out there and make sure everything is good on the medical side of it at the bare minimum. But um, I think it just kind of depends. Sometimes we'll actually be responding to an accident out there and we'll get either state radio or a trooper that'll message us on our our computer system and just say, Hey, I'll take that or whatever. Cause you know, they got their, their contacts that they have to make for the month or whatever it is they do. But, um, we, we have really, really, really good relationships with the state guys. So, um, they either take it or they don't. And it's either way, it's fine with us. I've noticed that the Iowa state patrol seems to be a pretty professional organization, but I, I haven't really had a whole lot of dealing with them, but it seems like they're pretty squared away. Yeah, they're pretty good guys. I haven't had any neg negative interactions with them at all. Now, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but one of the Facebook comments I had was that their patch was lame. I think their patch is the funniest fucking shit ever. <laughs> it's a corn kernel. It's so fucking funny. How does nobody not appreciate that? Hey, man, you got to appreciate your roots. You got to appreciate what pays the bills for the state. It does, man. People trash agriculture, but man, does it fucking pay the bills. Um. 
I lost my whole train of thought. Sorry. I'm a professional podcaster, guys. Remember that. Let me have another sip of Jack and let me figure it out. That'll help. Yeah, that'll help. Every that always helps. Single time. All right. Now, here's what I'm really curious about reserves. When I was in Colorado, I don't, reserves were a little bit different in Colorado. My department actually didn't even have reserves. I know a few others did, but usually a reserve was like, hey, there's a parade kind of thing. There wasn't really enforcement duties and they'd, you know, occasionally ride along with a sworn officer. Iowa reserves actually can go out and do shit, right? It depends on the department, but yes, statewide, that is, that's a rule. There are no differences while you're on on duty between a reserve and a full-timer, except for uh, doing implied consent with OWIs. But other than that, there's really no differences whatsoever. When I was a reserve, I had full powers, carrying a weapon, going out doing traffic stops. I was working on my own even, which is now that I look back on it, I really wish I wasn't doing that. But when I was young and enthusiastic. I, I'm still blown away with the whole 18 thing. So you still to this day, you can be a cop, a sworn cop at 18. Yes. Like no shit. Yep. That's God, that, that blows me away. Now the reserves, do they have to go through a full academy, like a sworn cop or how does that work? No. So they have what's called modules for the reserves and there are six of them and they, each one covers a variety of different topics. And you have to, from the time that you get hired, you have to go through all six of them uh, within a year from your hire date. And each module is uh, two days on a weekend. You go over to one of the local community colleges and do, and then there's some testing that you have to do at the end of it. Mind you, there's also no physical requirements for a reserve as there would be for a a full-time sworn officer. There's no test that you have to take to do push-ups, sit-ups, mile and a half, and like that. Yeah, you guys basically have the Cooper thing as a full-time officer, right? Yes, pretty close to that. Yeah, I saw that, and I think for my age group, I got around a mile and a half in 13 minutes, and boy, that's really hauling ass for me. I could do it. I mean, not right now, but I, I've done it before, but that'd be <laughs> it's going to be interesting if I want to go back. I better start fucking running now. Does the reserve thing, are those guys kind of looked down upon by the regular guys, or they get treated the same, in your opinion? I mean, I know you guys have limited experience with it, but... Uh, it depends on who it is. I, I ran into some of that when I was reserve, which now that I look back on it, when I started as early as I did, it justifiably. So, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of, do you really want somebody out there that doesn't do this full time that in all honesty, doesn't have the same skills and knowledge base that a full-timer guy does? Do you want them out there backing you up? Uh, So I ran into a little bit of that. Um, but it's there, there were also some people that were, that were fine with it. So I, it really just depends on where you're at. I think it places to look at it as uh, they're kind of filler guys for small departments that need uh, someone to take calls or coverage. Um, I think that's kind of what I've gathered from some of the people that have commented about it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I always wondered how these really small places, covered vacations or covered this or that where big city guys just had guys to throw at it. And I guess that makes some sense, but, and the reserves get paid, right? I think that's what I've learned out here is I guess it probably depends department to department, but it seems like they actually pay the reserves out here. It depends on what agency, some of them pay, you know, 
$15 an hour to be a reserve. Other ones by the state statute, they only have to pay them a minimum of a dollar a year. So they volunteer their time essentially to work. Um, some of those departments that don't pay them anything will pay for their equipment to be suited to do the job. Other departments that have low funding uh, require them to buy their own equipment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, something that's different when you're when you look at it from do you want to get into law enforcement well if you're going to be a reserve um, just be ready to pay not only for your modules because most places aren't going to pay for your modules uh, to get certified uh, most of them won't pay for anything other than the uniform so you have to spit the money out in, in order to have everything you need for the daily task yeah when I was doing it the place I was at I did not get paid for it I had to buy all of my own equipment. I had to pay for my modules. I did everything myself, but it was uh, a thing that you looked at it where the, the they knew I was trying to go in full time. So it was kind of a question of, well, how dedicated are you? Are you willing to do all this? Are you willing to pay out of your own pocket to show that you're really serious about this? So the reserve thing is very strange to me because I don't know that you can learn how to be a cop after are the modules like a video or what are the modules? No, it's an in-person class that's taught by full-time. The reserve thing to me just kind of seems like you guys were saying it was basically a way to like fill in a little bit of spots. But God, I would think there could be some liability if you know one of these guys, especially a young guy or somebody that doesn't have prior police experience, you know, is out there on the road and has only been, you know, to police class like a couple times. That could be problematic. Well, I mean, I know some bigger agencies, they don't allow the reserves to be by themselves. So there is some form of liability. It depends on each agency's attorney, um, whether it's a county attorney or a city attorney. They kind of look at the liability and what they're willing to risk. And a smaller agency with a reserve is probably going to be more lax and allow that person to have more powers to work solo or to do more traffic or answer calls, whereas a larger entity might say, well, yeah, you can, we would want you to do maybe just traffic and then leave the calls to the, the road deputies or the, the other officers to take the calls and you just go do traffic or, you know, something similar to that. That's, that's kind of how I think some of the departments run, but in the rural area that we are, most of the deputies that I've worked with who are reserves or even some of the city officers who are reserves, they're pretty much doing everything. There's really an unrestricted dynamic out there for them to do the job with the exception of implied consent. Um, but that's why they also have other officers that work with them to kind of help pick up the areas where they're not allowed to do certain work. I know there's, I talked to the guy from, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> another word I can't say, Massachusetts. Uh, I talked to my old buddy over there and he was saying how the beach communities out there, they swell with people. And so during the summer, they, you know, they bring in all these reserves and that's how they kind of, that's how they can handle things. Cause they don't need all those guys in the winter months, but they need extra people then. So it's interesting hearing these different dynamics of how basically police departments make it. I did want to transition a little bit over to um, you guys, cause we haven't talked a whole lot about you guys. So I don't know who the first person to start with is. So you guys, you guys help me out with that, but what was kind of the path towards law enforcement or why policing? Why did you guys choose policing? All right, Rick. Yes, Morty. You go ahead. Well, you, you got into it first. So why don't you start and then I'll go. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Well, mine's, I don't want to say it's cliche, but I guess I picked law enforcement um, at a very young age. Um, <laughs> kind of bringing in my family to this, my mom said that uh, the only time she could ever keep me to sit still when I was a little kid was to either put wrestling on TV or cops. And then I would sit in front of the TV and cross my legs and just sit there and stare at the TV mesmerized. So I think from a young age, I was kind of hooked on watching cops and watching how it went. And I grew up in a small town and the local uh, officer that worked here, he uh, gave me a ride um, in his patrol car when I was nine and, you know, did the whole lights and siren thing. And Ever since then, I guess I always had it in my brain that that this is the only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, I mean, I know you get the typical, I want to help people or I want to make a difference or save lives. I, I just did it because it's all I ever really remember knowing what I wanted to do for a career. And I had tried other careers and they just didn't fulfill that need or want that I had. So when I finally got into this full time, I just I, I really do love the job. I just, I keep coming every day because I enjoy what I do. It's not necessarily, you know, trying to save lives every day or make a difference and have that, you know, stigma about what everybody thinks law enforcement is. I just genuinely love coming to work every day, you know, being able to choose what I do because of where I work. I can pick and choose what I do throughout the day. If I feel like running a lot of traffic, I can do traffic stops all day long if I want to do investigations, I have plenty of that I can do. I just get a wide range of what I want to do with my shift, and I find great fulfillment out of doing that. We'll get to Rick in just a moment, but I'm curious, Morty, what did you do before law enforcement? I mean, I worked in the factories. Um, I did, I mean, I did security work for a little while. Um, that was kind of my push to get into this. Um, but the other job that I did, I worked as maintenance. You know, I did painting and fixing things at a uh, retirement home for several years, like mowing and taking care of the lawns and stuff. But the like old said, ladies' just, lawns or the actual lawn? <laughs> it was sorry, the, that was it was the, that lawn was the lowest I've ever gone on the podcast. I apologize. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I never really got fulfillment out of that stuff. So I just, you know, even when I worked there, when I was outside, I'd always see a cop drive by, and I'd be like, "Man, I'm just doing the wrong thing." And it just gave me, gave me the drive to go back to school, get my degree, and then start applying. Do agencies look at degrees pretty heavily here, or did it matter? Not anymore. <laughs> not with the shortage of placing. Um, I feel like they're, they're not looking at this as heavily. I mean, maybe if you're looking for advancement for promotional side of it, you're going to look at probably their education level. You can't go any higher. You've already promoted. You've well, promoted maybe. all the way. Me personally, I'm just talking as a general spectrum. If I went to a bigger agency, I think just having the degree that I have, I don't have a four year. So I think that might hinder um, advancement because I know certain places that have restrictions. You have to have a four year in order to be a captain or, you know, even to be a lieutenant, you have to have a four year. So, you know, you sometimes you have to be mindful of that depending on the agency. But overall, I really don't think right now um, that having a degree is going to hinder you one way or another. I mean, it may help, especially if you have some agencies that have more of the old school guys in there um, that are still brass, they're going to look at that. But I, I mean, the shortage that we're having right now and the agencies that are all hiring, I, I really don't think they're looking at that too heavily. Yeah. I don't want to go too far into the college thing because I'm hammered and I'll piss people off, but college is stupid. Just saying, depending on what you're going for, but I do not disagree. Yeah. 
Now, Rick, what about you, buddy? What got you into law enforcement? Well, I started riding with uh, Morty after he got his first law enforcement job. I was fresh out of high school at that point and really just didn't know a whole lot about what I was going to do and started riding with him and liked it a whole lot, liked what I was seeing. I liked what the job actually was and all the different paths that you could go down on it. And I think ultimately for me, what drove me to a a public service career is being able to just go to sleep at night, knowing that what I do actually matters. Like the thought of working in an office or sitting in a cubicle all day, there's no way, there's absolutely no way I could do that. So I, I knew I wanted to do something where I could actually be happy about what I did at the end of the day. So I was looking at public service pretty heavily and uh, I am heterosexual, which means I was not going to be a firefighter. So that was out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Joking, joking host draggers. You're canceled, buddy. It's over. <laughs> you can't make a joke. That's your podcast. Somebody could make it offensive and it could hurt their feelings instead of clicking and moving on but you're canceled buddy (laughs) whatever but yeah i so i I wanted to do something in public service um medical stuff always interested me too so that's why i after i got hired on full-time i got my emt but yeah i just I, i just wanted to do something that i could i could really be proud of and seeing my brother doing it and see how seeing how much fun he had with it it was that's kind of what drove me to it Another weird thing about Iowa is there's a lot of people that have full-time jobs, but then they also work part-time at other agencies, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if a lot, but yeah, there's some that do that. Now, like yeah, that's what yeah. I was fucking hitting at. You made me sound like I was an asshole making something out. You're like, yeah, I, I guess so. You know, maybe, but we do it. Yeah, um, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to lead you into it, but whatever, man. So you guys still work part-time together at a, different agency right yep do you guys ever work the same shift together no i mean only when i started part-time uh the chief over there kind of had him show me around show me the ropes of the community i unofficially fto'd him for it yeah which i thought was kind of ironic but no typically we don't we don't we don't work together typically unless it's like the town festival and then we're all just kind of meshed together wandering around do you guys ever get confused in like wear the wrong uniform to work i have not done that yet no i am waiting for the day i call out the wrong number on the radio though i'm waiting for that as well i have not done that but that does linger in the back of my mind where i say the wrong we say the wrong county name before my number so you guys go to this other agency more did you ever go like well hey look i know i'm only a part-time officer here but i'm i'm a fucking chief somewhere else so i hold some fucking standing here no, I mean, I, I don't do it. I'm not looking at it as a power trip. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, I'm an officer and, and people still in town, like they don't call me chief. They call me officer. Um, Wait, you don't correct them. You don't immediately correct them and say, hold on, hold on, farmer bill. It's fucking chief to you, motherfucker. No, no, I don't. I mean, it's obviously it's a professional thing. Like I don't, I mean, at the school where I, you know, patrol around, a lot of the citizens work in the community school district. So like our mayor works there as a sub. So I don't want to say anything that's going to be perceived the wrong way. And then he has to hear about it or the principal goes to him and be like, Hey, why is he having an attitude with me? 
but I, I really don't care. Like I get called officer all the time being the chief, but I'm the chief of myself. Like I, I don't really see the privilege there. <laughs> you, you, whether you're an officer or a chief, if you're by yourself, you're by yourself. It doesn't really matter what they call me. As long as they still understand that I'm enforcing the laws and they adhere to it, then I, I don't care. Now, Rick, your brother seems very humble, but is he just playing it off because he's on the podcast? Does he like call you up and say, oh, my God, they called me officer. Do you know how much work I put in to be the chief? I get that call almost daily. <laughs> you fucking blue falcon. I know he doesn't. You're a piece of shit for selling out your brother like that. <laughs> uh, I laughed at my own joke and I lost my thought. And I don't even have the fucking. Take another set, buddy. I, I pre-gamed it a little too hard, boys. I'm just I'm calling myself out here. It's been a long week and um, I was really excited to talk to some guys from Iowa and I drank way too much before I started recording. So I apologize. Well, I mean, most people probably think Iowa has nothing to do but to drink on the weekend. So, I mean, with that stigma, you're holding true. Uh, Most people would be right in saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Now all I got to do is get some meth and I'll really fit in. (laughs) That joking, of course. Easy. I mean, that's that's the drug of choice out here, though, right? Like meth for the most part. Oh, predominantly. Well, that or weed. Weed's pretty high. I, I don't even think I would count weed as a drug at this point. Who gives a shit? Is Iowa, wow. Iowa weed disagree. still illegal here, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Do you guys think it'll be legalized, legalized anytime soon or no? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly, I, you know, I don't know with our governor right now that she would want to pass that bill. I think maybe personally she wouldn't want to, but I do think from the federal side of it, it it's in the works. I don't see why it wouldn't be passed. Um, I can't I believe it's taken this long, it. to be honest with you. I, I've said the same thing to Rick when we talked about this. Like, I'm surprised it's gone this long. I see it coming soon. I don't really care. Like, if they want to legalize it, okay, whatever. Like, same thing when they raised the tobacco age from 18 to 21. What was that, Rick, like a year ago? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, whatever. Whatever they want the laws to be, that's fine. Like, I don't care. I don't dabble in it. I don't, never tried it, never will. I don't really care. Change whatever they want. Yeah, the... I didn't realize, and I guess I haven't really paid that much attention, but the cigarette age, I, I mean, I, I think smoking generally not to sound like a square is dumb. I, I get why people do it. I mean, I like a cigar every once in a while. Um, it's a nasty habit. It you know burns out your lungs. But hey, I mean, I fucking eat like a fucking piece of shit and I'm a big fat tub of lard, so I can't really say anything because I'm not exactly the pinnacle of health either. But it's crazy. You can go fight and die in a war can't have a fucking beer you can't have a cigarette incredible no i i mean i it's the same thing with with weed i think where people some guys that i know in law enforcement are it doesn't matter how much they catch you with they're gonna bust you and then you've got other guys that are like uh whatever i'm just gonna pta you and you can show up in court and deal with it then like i'm not gonna arrest you just dump it out or whatever they confiscate it but yeah, with the tobacco thing, like, I mean, I get it. I, I I know they're they're having their studies about brain growth and development, and they're trying to make it so that the chemicals are not adversely affecting younger adults. But I mean, if that's what they want to do, I I mean, I'm just a little peon. Like, whatever I say doesn't necessarily matter. I don't think my vote's going to change anything. So if they're going to change, it, they're going to change. Your vote it. should matter. Yeah, you're a fucking chief, man. Don't sell yourself short. You worked really hard for that position. And I'm in a town that no one knows how to pronounce and no one knows exists. So 
Oh yeah, I pronounced it five times wrong already. And that's that's what I mean. A lot of I I don't even know if the governor of our state even knows that this town exists. <laughs> it's really interesting to me. So I grew up in a small community. Well, I went to high school in a small community in Colorado, and then I moved back to the I-25 corridor, so to speak. Colorado, as far as small towns go, once you get to the Eastern Plains or the Western Slope, there's like a little town, maybe like every 20 miles, 30 miles sometimes. But out here in the Midwest, holy fuck, there's a little town fucking everywhere. There's little towns everywhere. It's incredible, man. They're everywhere. Which I, I always thought... You know, none of these places are going to have their own police departments. Apparently yours does. But a lot of these little towns, you know, less than a thousand people, there's there's probably not a need for a, a police department. But I could see as a sheriff's office, you know, that's responsible in policing all these little itty bitty towns that could probably be problematic to get, you know, all over the county to these little little bitty map dots. Well, I mean, you're seeing a change in law enforcement, especially with COVID, too. Um, but what you're seeing in law enforcement is actually a lot of these small towns used to have police departments back in the day. And I'm talking like 50s, 60s and 70s. But today they're non-existent. Uh, they're becoming dissolved and going into the sheriff's office's coverage. So they're contracted communities and the sheriff ha- the sheriff's office has to cover it. And Rick is very familiar with this because that's pretty much his entire county is contracted small communities. Well, and that's the difference between some of these small places that you have in the counties and some of the bigger ones, because you have two options when you're going with coverage from the sheriff's office. You can either contract for a certain amount of hours, which is what we get for our medium-ish, and I say medium in a relative sense, size towns around here. And then you have the towns that we have that do what we call drive-through service, which essentially means uh, you don't have to be here unless there's a call. So we just don't really, in all honesty, spend a whole lot of time up there because there's no reason for it. We usually spend more of our time in the towns that we have to do, you know, depending on the size of the town, we have two in our county that one of them you have to do 80 hours a month and the other one you have to do 240 hours a month. So, I I mean, that's where we're going to be spending most of our time. Now, if you get called for a call for service out in one of those towns, does that count towards your hours or does it have to be independent hours of just driving through? No, the calls for service count. Uh, They're pretty pretty relaxed about what counts for the hours out there. Uh, It can be a call for service. Um, It could be the whole time. Like if we get an arrest there, the entire time from the time we get the call to the time we finish writing a report is all hours. And if you come in the next day and you're working on the report again in the office, uh, that still counts for the hours, even though you're not in the town. Now, as a deputy in a smaller, I, I assume a smaller county, smaller agency, you're not getting calls for service usually out on like a farm or something like that. Like it's usually in the little map dots, right? Well, it kind of depends. I I get, I just got a call for service uh, last week or the week before for a burglary to hog confinement in the middle of bumfuck nowhere out here. Um, The guy kept a gun in there to help put down hogs when they're injured or whatever. And he came in, he's like, Oh, somebody stole my gun. That's all reported to the sheriff's office. So I had to go out there and deal with that. Dude, that gun's been missing for five years. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he misplaced it like five years ago. And he's like, oh, shit, where's that gun? And he's going to find it. And he'd be like, ooh, that's embarrassing. I can't tell him I found it. Probably. I always wondered what my my counterparts out in the country were doing. Because big city, man, there's always shit to do. Always shit to do. I mean, do you ever find you yourselves 
like super bored out there? Is there just enough stuff to make the shift go by? Uh, I, you can get into whatever you want to out here as much or as little as you want. Uh, if you want to sit in a parking lot and not do anything, you're probably going to be okay doing that. If you want to sit on the highway, uh, for me anyway, being a deputy and see what you can see out there, there's always something you're going to be able to find. Uh, the traffic slows down a little at night, but you're still going to be able to find stuff if you're looking hard enough. Obviously what you're going to find out there is, you know, people with cattle trailers with unregistered cows, right? Yeah. That's like 75% of my call volume. One of the things that you said to me when you sent the little message saying that you and your brother wanted to come on is you guys talk, you're, you talked about, you guys used to work at the same agency, a different agency, and you guys used to bomb around in a crown Vic. Tell me about that. We worked for, uh, it was another small town agency. Uh, but, uh, basically while my brother was spending time riding with me, um, the shifts that I worked was about twice a week. Uh, I would work kind of like a power night basically. And we would, uh, drive around the 09 crown Vic and it was like winter time. So we just, uh, had a ball just driving around. We were listening to you know, whatever we wanted to listen to, Christmas music or rocking out to music and just beating the hell, listen to that classic sound of a Crown Vic. Now, I got to call you out on some shit real quick. But before we do that, was Rick a cop at that point? Uh, no, he was in the process of getting hired on as a reserve. OK, now, Morty, I do have to give you some shit because when I sent you a message, you know, we were, I was just, you know, touching base with you before we started the podcast. You said, hey, I got this great sound of a Crown Vic. It sounds a lot better than your intro. <laughs> that may or may not have been what you said. I was deeply offended by that. First off, for those don't, that don't know, the intro Crown Vic on this podcast is actually my car that I recorded with my cell phone. And it's very poorly made. And I would never taint my podcast with anything that is well made. So I'm deeply offended that you would even try. Well, I thought I'd give it a shot. <laughs> it did sound good, though. I wonder I wonder if I could play it on the podcast right now just so we could get our our Crown Vic rocks off. Let me see if oh, I can do good. that. While you're doing that, uh, Rick, why don't you go ahead and let him know about the time you almost killed both of us in that car? Well, you're Rick, but okay. <laughs> uh, you're yeah, just, don't get you're just kind of fucking things up for us today, aren't you? Well, he's not the only one who's drinking, so. I got a call of a, a mattress on a, a major U.S. highway that was blocking part of the, the roadway. So I looked at my brother and they called us out there. It was not in our jurisdiction, but we were the closest car. So they called us to go out there. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go balls to the wall. So we turned the lights on and started driving out there. And at the time, um, there was a road construction that blocked off the major entrance and exit ramp to that U.S. highway. So we had to take a back road, which I was very unfamiliar with, given that it was outside of our jurisdiction. I just never drove out there. And it was a tight S-curve uh, that had no guardrails, and it was an overpass to the major highway. And we took it at a high rate of speed. And uh, yeah, that uh, crown pick gets a little loose when you uh, go around a curve a little, little tight and a little fast. And uh, definitely puckered the old butthole that day. <laughs> Did it sound a little something like this?
I gotta say mine sounds better. It's just poorly more made. I don't know. I'll give you that. Maybe I'm partial to it. Mine just sounds a little more raw, so to speak. Before I go on, is there is there anything I didn't ask you guys about that you wanted to throw out to the world that people need to know about? You can well, think, I mean, think of anything. I know you guys had some stories, so I don't like if you guys got some good stories to pass along, I'd love to hear them. I think it's kind of easy to dismiss a lot of a lot of shit in small town or small county Iowa, but uh, you will you'll definitely see some shit that you weren't expecting. Um, my first day in full uniform during FTO, uh, we had a call of a guy that uh, suicided himself in front of did you just say suicided himself i used suicide as a verb yes okay go on right in front of his girlfriend in their tiny apartment building and did it right in front of the only door out of the room so put a bullet in his head and then literally locked her in the room with him so so he put a bullet in his head and then he locked the door he put a bullet in his head and his corpse blocked the door so that she could not open it i just wanted to clarify it that is kind of awkward, I would say. Well, my my FTO, God bless her, she, instead of sending the boot in first, which I'm still surprised she didn't, she climbed in the window to go first and managed to fall right into an end table that had a bunch of liquid wax from a candle warmer on it, destroyed the table, and got covered in wax. And yeah, I felt <laughs> bad for her. That is amazing. I wonder why it's doing that. It's so weird because now I'm getting it really bad again. Did it stop for a while after it, we disconnected? Yeah, it did. It stopped for a while. Is it the Cheetos? It might be. It must be the Cheetos. And it's, I, it's still not Cheetos. doing it. Um, I guess I I could tell you, you know, from my perspective, I got out of the academy. And when I started here within the first year, and mind you, this is a very, very small county, uh, very small city that I work for um, in proportion to rest of probably the u.s um but we had about five chases in that first year i've probably drawn my weapon about a half dozen times or more now probably close to a dozen now we've had some standoffs and some other instances you just say you drew your weapon a dozen times yeah probably about a dozen already um you know you have your felony stops for all your car chases we've had some standoffs i've had that people that try to flee I'm honestly surprised how many times I've done it because you hear about these guys in the academy. They're like, oh, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've never drawn my weapon. And within fucking, the first, oh man, that's insane. Within the first year, yeah, I probably drew my weapon probably like eight times. And then up to this point, it's probably at 12 now. But uh, I actually got run into um, in the last chase that I was involved in. It was an outside agency. So, so this here's the backstory. A guy from the local town that I work in was high on methamphetamine. No, he wasn't. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what are the odds? That would ever happen. Uh, he went to um, our local, uh, we'll just say pub, and stole a pickup truck that was left unlocked with keys in it because that's typical rural Iowa. People that's leave a country keys song, unlocked. By the way. <laughs> What's that? That's a country song, by the way. And I have to say, every time I go to my local gas station, there's always what I would consider, I don't know if the term's nationwide, but puffers. Everybody fucking leaves their car running with keys in it everywhere they go. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's it's a daily here. Every time I go to the gas station, that's what everybody's doing. They don't even shut it off to get fuel anymore. Like, they just leave it running. But uh, 
anyway, this guy stole a truck and then took off towards what would be our county seat, which is our larger community, and was called in by some passerbys as a reckless driver. Um, he went into the next county over and stopped and pointed an air gun with his finger, like I'm making air uh, quotes, I guess, uh, a gun at a deputy and a chase ensued. And it came all the way from that county back into our community. I had the idea to parallel this guy because everybody else was just playing follow the leader. And I just happened to look out of my peripheral vision at a, a block coming over and I saw him coming towards me. So I tried to block the roadway and I blocked it in the middle of the roadway. Mind you, this guy could have went around me on either direction and he plowed right into the side of my car, um, denting and smashing in the front quarter panel. So I couldn't open my door. Um, the video is actually kind of funny because I had an interior camera um, in my dash cam and you had, you could see me turn. I had to turn sideways and like donkey kick my door open and chase after him. Uh, but that was uh, another incident where, you know, you think nothing really ever happens in small towns or it's very quiet. It's just one of those things that I was sitting at home on lunch break, eating my food and a call came out that there's a chase in progress. It's coming this direction. I get involved. And by the end of it, he rammed my car at 30, 35 miles an hour and totaled it. And we ended up catching him like down the block after he ran from the car. Was it a Crown Vic? It was not. Uh, it was actually a 2013 Explorer. Oh, well, then who cares? Um, exactly. I about got really upset, though. I was whew, I was getting that was the most I wasn't really worried about your safety, but the Crown Vic itself was what I was re really worried about. Now. I don't want to put you on the spot, but did you hear the podcast I did with the rule badge? Did you listen to that one? I don't think I've listened to that one. I've last listened to the last several that you've done and quite a few in the beginning, but I don't think I remember that one. So that one was two before and it was with the gal that was the writer. Does that sound familiar? Uh, is she the police wife? Yeah. So you did listen to that one. So yes. yeah, she runs the page of rule badge. So one of the points I made in that podcast is I said, I think sometimes for a small town guy, the repetition or the lack of repetition. Cause you learn everything you deal with everything in the Academy and you deal with everything eventually, but it's not on the same. I don't want to say it's not on the same level because it's, I would argue that dealing with um, people out in the country with guns is way dangerous because they know how to actually shoot a gun. These are people that have been out in the range. They know how to shoot. Um, not to say, you know, you're not going to deal with that in the city, but I'm just going to tell you for a fact, dudes fucking shoot guns with their hands sideways. That's not like something out of a movie. Like I've, I've seen it. It's incredible, but in a big city, you get, you get the repetitions. You know, you said you pulled your gun a dozen times. It was a slow week in my agency. If you didn't have your gun out a dozen times during a week, a month, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So does do you guys ever I don't try not to put you on a spot, but do you sometimes you ever worry about getting rusty or it just kind of is what it is? Like it's, it's like muscle memory type stuff. I mean, it, it depends on what it is. We haven't had a chase that I've been involved in for over a year, probably now. So, I mean, it's not that I'm rusty because the ones that we've had, I've had several. So I feel like I'm, you know, still in fair mindset to deal with it the proper way. But there's a lot of times where you just don't have a whole lot going on in small towns. So, you know, like I said, I've, I dealt with sexual assaults. I've dealt with 
pretty much anything you can think of. I've dealt with it at one point or another, but yeah, there's definitely times where, Hey, it's been a year and a half since I've had a sexual assault. Like I got to go back to my old warrant format to remember how to fill out this warrant the right way, or, you know, go back to my uh, interview that I did with somebody and write down the questions that I asked him, because I don't remember all the questions I wanted to ask to make sure I got the proper documentation on everything. So it's not that I feel rusty. It's just when you don't deal with everything that a bigger agency might deal with on a, a weekly basis. I mean, there's definitely room where you're like, Oh, Hey, I forgot. I probably should have done this, or I should have done that because you just don't deal with it very often. But I, I do applaud our sheriff's office here because not only do they help me when I'm off duty or take vacation, they help cover for me, but they also are very, um, active in giving me assistance when I have cases that I'm not really sure which direction or which path I want to take. They'll sit down with me and, and go over what I have and, and kudos to our investigator for the sheriff's office. Cause he's the one I usually lean on. If I have questions, I'm like, Hey, this is where I'm at. I'm kind of stuck. Like, what do you suggest? And he'll give me the guidance that I, I feel that I needed and point me in the direction I need to, to, to go forward or to get this case solved because I'm just at a slump where I'm like, I've never really dealt with this before. And, and that's even as recent as, you know, a couple months ago, I've, I had a, an incident with something that I had to work on. And I was like, I, I just don't know who to call or where do I want to start? And he's like, well, I would just, you know, go this route, call this guy. He'll give you the information you need. He can get you in touch with DCI. Um, that's just a, a huge resource that I have at my disposal to, to lean on them without having anybody else in my department to, to share with, or to, you know, ask questions to. And, and my brother's another one. He's really good on case law and he's really good on keeping up with uh, what law enforcement keeps changing year after year. So if I have questions on something, I'll ask him and, and we sit down and we talk about it and shoot ideas and we, we kind of build an idea of where we should go. And, and I know he does the same thing for me when it comes to like warrants, because you know he works for a bigger agency, but there's different warrants that I've done that he's not done before. And he'll call me and be like, hey, how did you get this? Or who did you call? Or what did you do to fill this out properly? And we'll send back and forth some, you know, blank spreadsheets of step by step. This is what you need to fill out. This is how it needs to be formatted. And this is what needs to be included inside that paragraph in order to get everything you need in that warrant signed by the judge. So I, I just look at leaning on everybody else around here, um, either in other agencies big or small to help me get the answers that I need if I'm stuck on something. But, you know, I feel like I'm well-versed now with dealing with a lot of different cases and calls that I'm pretty confident in being able to handle either a call or even a case entirely from start to finish on my own because of having those help individuals that would help me do that. Now the acronym DCI, what does that sound for? That's a department of criminal investigation. That's the state agency. That would be the ones that would investigate like an officer shooting or a major case, rely on them to help us with information because they've, they've got all of the, I mean, they, they're a huge asset to any agency, really. Uh, when it comes to shootings, they've got all the documents that you need. They can point you in the right direction. They've got contact information. Um, but yeah, that's our big state agency that does a lot of our investigations. Okay. Yeah. And that was my understanding is a lot of these real small agencies that don't have you know, all the specialty units, they really rely on these. And I know it's not just Iowa, but other places in rural America mm -hmm. where they rely on these bigger 
you know, the, the state agency, I guess, to investigate. And I, th- I think most states have an agency like that. I know like Colorado had CBI, Colorado Bureau of Investigations. Now, Rick, since we've been ignoring you for a while, I mean, what, what was your take on all that? Well, I think part of being a member of a smaller agency in a smaller state, uh, I think you take on a bigger responsibility. And I know you guys have talked about that before on the podcast where uh, we, we do everything. Um, I don't have investigator in my sheriff's office. Uh, we kudos to my department, though. We have a hell of a roster of of people that we all help each other. You know, if it's not one of those you catch it, you clean it type of things. Yeah, you're going to be lead on it if you caught it, but everybody's going to help everybody else out. And that's one of the things I love the most about my department. But what I, I think you take on a bigger responsibility being somebody that works in a smaller area, because not only are you going to have to wear all the hats and, you know, do all those things, but I think there's no way you can do your job well unless you take time, whether that be when you have downtime on the job or whether it be in your own personal time to do things and polish those skills uh, that you might not use every day, like guys in the big cities do, whether that be, you know, if you're bored one night and there's not anything going on, spend 20, 30 minutes upstairs in the office uh, practicing your draws or doing something that we're not going to do every day. And that's just a general example, but, but you get what I mean. Like, all those skills that you said, you know, you may or may not get rusty on, uh, you, you're going to have to take the time to polish those because you're not you're not going to have the repetitions that the guys in the biggest city are going to have. So, and you know anybody that's that's looking to to get on or start in this profession in, in any kind of small area, uh, that's that's another thing that nobody uh, you know really talks about, but it's it's something that's that's super important that you got to make sure you're up on. What is Iowa? <laughs> I can't even say Iowa at this point. What is Iowa? Iowa? I can do it. I promise I can do it. What does Iowa require as far as continuing education goes? Because I feel like that for a smaller agency could be pretty tough to fulfill when, you you know, there's an expectation of getting training done, but you don't have guys to fill the road. Well, I, I think uh, I kind of help myself to the online classes. Um, our local ambulance services, they do a lot of training. So does our fire department. So I can do a lot of my medical training with them. Um, they're really good about sending emails um, for the medical side of it that you need to have bloodborne pathogens, AED. We do like air care training. Um, we just we do a bunch of stuff uh, with our uh, we're about to actually do a mock accident scene. Um, so we do that at the school. So that's another thing that we train on uh, when it comes to firearms. Uh, the agency that I work part time on, their sheriff's office puts it on for free. Um, so I utilize them. Otherwise, our sheriff's office has firearms instructors. Um, but a good majority of the classes that are required by the state for the Iowa Law Enforcement Academy, you can do a lot of them online and they have some hyperlinks on their academy webpage that you can uh, go to for courses and sign up to take them, whether you pay for them or some of them are free. Um, but those are the ones that I utilize for myself because I, I don't have you know a sheriff or a chief deputy to, to set up classes for me to take. So I just have the list of what they require for the state and how many hours they want. And then I just have a spreadsheet of which ones I've uh, accomplished or gotten certifications for, and then how many more hours I need for whether it's continuing ed or medical training or something. I just set aside, you know, time to each month to try to put so many hours in to get it for the year. Fair enough. All right. Do you guys ready for some Facebook questions for the, from the DGens on Facebook? Sure. Do it. 
I usually lean on Instagram quite a bit, but I'm going to let Facebook see. I want to see what they got. Let's see here, which by the way, Facebook really fucking hates my page. It's incredible page. Have they they blocked certain things yet from you? Well, here's the thing is so my page, 180,000 people like my page on Facebook who fucking knows how many people see it, but it's not, it's not much. I can tell you that it's really frustrating. Um, God forbid I post police content. (laughs) Yeah, Right now, that's probably not a good one to be in because of all the bad stigma that for some reason the media wants to keep trying to portray. Yeah. And uh, I'm drunk and I can't get to my homepage, but I I asked somebody about the, that I know that's on that, the Trump thing, the truth one. And they're like, ah, it's okay. Man, I have so many fucking different things, by the way, for those that are interested I started doing the YouTube videos again. I don't know if at the time this episode comes out, if I'll have a new one. I was going to do one tonight and it might be a good time to do it because I'm hammered. So if you want some really shitty content on YouTube, that's coming for you. Oh my God. There's a lot of comments on here. When I first restarted recording, there was like 10 and now there's 71. So I don't think we're going to get to all 71 questions, but there were some good ones on here. (laughs) I'm going to kind of go back and forth, but if you guys have a good answer, feel free to to pipe in what's the highest number of cows you've seen on a cows on the roadway call oh that's all you rick <laughs> <laughs> um i think five at the moment but i've heard stories of many many more that's just rural life for you man i mean the deputy you're almost required to have a 10 gallon hat in your the hatch of your suv or car right yeah yeah that's standard issue <laughs> You know, and I forgot I was going to talk about this earlier, but I feel like what I would have a hard time getting into is, you know, obviously, if I get back into law enforcement, it's going to be a rural community. I'm very used to high speed stuff. And I think, you know, people, you know, if I go on a traffic stop, people are gonna be like, hey, dude, slow down a little bit. It's a little different out here, even on a call. It, I, I think there's just a different way of handling business because it's just a different, different pace, a different lifestyle, different clientele. But the investigation part where, you know, I would take things as far as I could, but, you know, once it hit a certain point, I'm fucking hands off, man. Fucking send it up to the detectives. It's their fucking problem now where uh, I think I would struggle. I don't know if I would struggle because I do like investigating, but it would be a lot different. I think you'd be able to, you know, if you do a reserve work or something like that, you'd be able to have a deputy that would take over or city, whatever entity you went with. You're going to have somebody who probably take over for you. So I think that's something you could positively take out of that is knowing that you might really not have to do any investigations because you're a reserve part or part-time. You're only going to be there so often. They're going to have to make a full-time guy take that over. Um, but I mean, as far as control going, freak though, I don't think I would like that very much. Yeah, but you'll get used to it. It's just like a traffic stop. Like you, you never want to let your guard down, but it is very different in rural areas of Iowa because most of the people like I pull over are like farmers or they're going to be people traveling from, you know, another small town to go to work in the big city, which is like a half hour away. Like I, I don't see a whole lot of activity as far as like crime on stops or narcotics. If I'm going to do that, it's going to be more of your overnight shift to find your narcotics being moved around. So it's, it's definitely different during the day. And I see what you're talking about, like to go from, either high stress or high alert to, Oh, you're just pulling over, you know, grandma. Like it's, it's definitely different. And especially if you, you know, treat her like you're in a big city, she's going to be offended because that's kind of how it is out here. Like people, 
expect the cops Don't to put your hands in your purse, grandma. Yeah, like people are they kind of hands on your face, grandma. <laughs> they kind of expect cops to just be chill with them. And for the most part, most of us are like that's just our nature. But you know, mind you, most of us grew up around here, so that's just how we're ingrained. So it's gonna take some getting used to, but I, I think it's you know something you can adapt to. This might be my favorite question I have on here, but this is a the first good one I've really seen. That's mean. The, all of them are good. I love all of you. But this question cracks me up. Have you ever had a tornado solve a crime? <laughs> I have not had a crime where uh, I have not done any investigations where a tornado ripped it apart and just go, oh, I guess this one's solved or I guess I don't have to worry about this one before. So, no, we, we've been fortunate. We haven't had any. I mean, we've had some pretty strong winds come and knock half the trees in the town over. But no, no tornadoes. So I have this perception of I'll tell you guys right now, and I've said it in the podcast. This is probably boring, but I don't give a shit. The storms out here are way more intense than Colorado. Like I can't describe it. It's just the lightning's more intense. The rain's more intense. Just everything about the storms here is more intense. But I've talked to people out here and they've like, yeah, you know, we get tornado warnings all the time. I've lived here for 45 years. I've never actually seen a tornado. Yeah. I mean, it's in an area where you're getting moisture from the Gulf of Mexico that comes up here, you're getting the cold air from the Rockies or from Canada. And when they mix, that's when you get your supercells. Like I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to weather spotting. I'm I obviously could too. tell that based on the last 30 <laughs> seconds of conversation, you fucking nerd, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that. I always like the, the big storms and the, the high winds and hail and everything. It's just fun for me. So I do do storm spotting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, I guess, to me, the storms aren't that crazy. Like what you might think is like, Jesus, they're freaking severe. Like I'm looking at it like, yeah, it's just a storm. It's just a lot of lightning. Yeah. I'm used to lightning strikes every two seconds. You know, it's not, not that crazy. Well, and that's the, the, the wind is what's joke crazy. out here is that a tornado watch means nothing. Like just go about your day, but a tornado warning means go outside, crack a bush light and watch what's going on. <laughs> That's one thing I don't like about out here is I've found most of the really bad weather so far. And granted, I've only lived out here for, you know, about a year now. Well, not quite, but is the storms, the bad ones all come at night. So you can't see it coming. That's what I don't like. Well, that's, it'll change. The longer you're out here, you'll actually see the stronger storms probably come more towards supper time. Did you just call it supper? I did call it supper, dinner, supper, whatever. I call it supper. I was in Nebraska for a short time period and they called lunch supper, which I thought was weird. I call that lunch. Yeah, it's lunch. Um, is it true that running backwards through a cornfield naked is part of the physical agility test? That depends <laughs> on who's putting it on. <laughs> Somebody put in there that there's a stocking charge joke somewhere. I agree. That is pretty good. Yep, that's uh, good. That is good. Have either one of you guys seen the PM PM Vic out in the wild? I have not. No, I, I haven't. You guys live a little ways away from me. I don't know if it would make it that far. So she's a, I, she's, I, I did tell you, I have my own Vic though. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Uh, I didn't see who answered that. Was that Rick or Morty? That was, that was Morty. So you're like me, you're a weirdo that owns one on your own. Yep. I bought a retired one from an agency that I work part-time for. As soon as they put it out of commission, I was like, yep, I want that. So I bought it. Beautiful. I, sometimes I kind of want a newer one, but then I'm like, ah, I should maybe I'll just fix up the one I have. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence. 
it doesn't really have that many miles on it though so i don't want to like i think the engine's good but it does need some work how many corn related offenses are there this is all about corn well of course it's all about corn what did you expect i don't i don't think i've has anyone ever... taken a corn theft charge how about that I, okay i have not taken a theft of corn but i have heard of people stealing grain wagons it's like a semi hauler full of grain i have heard of that <laughs> it's like it's like some fucking dude that lives in the city is like well i got this microbrewery and i'm going to use the corn for beer can you use corn <laughs> for beer you can use corn for beer right whiskey definitely i don't know about yeah, beer yeah whiskey probably close that's close it's an alcohol it's not a big deal um who are you guys rooting rooting for for the cyclones versus the hawks oh hawks um, yeah definitely the hawks is is there anybody that's actually a Cyclone fan? Because I, I feel like most of the state is Hawks fans. Only the D-Gens for names. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado was kind of like that, too, where I felt most people were Buffs fans and only the people in Fort Collins were Rams fans. I, I don't never had a problem with the Rams, but like, that was a big deal. It was. I feel like football out here is a little bigger. Um, who Now, obviously, you guys know Nebraska is a better football team, but other than that, it's probably not a big deal. I, I've never heard that, actually. No, I'm pretty sure they are. You know, I'm actually, I don't. I, I'm just trying to upset you, but I, I'm really not a Cornhuskers fan. My mom is from Nebraska, so not, she's a not like a, fan. a Buffalo. It was it the Colorado Buffalo? Isn't that their yeah? I, I got to be honest, man. I don't have a big rooting interest in college football. I like watching college ball. I like football. I just like watching football. Well, um, I mean, Colorado was never really good like the Hawkeyes were. So I can hold, see hold like, on a <laughs> second. Hold on a second. Hey, you, you said you were trying to upset heard of, of Have you facts, ever heard of brother. Cordell Stewart, you dumb son of a bitch? Rasam Salam, <laughs> go fuck yourself. How dare you? But, how so many national you. champions? How many <laughs> national championships do the fucking Hawkeyes have? I think zero. Uh, Hold on a second. Since you fucking called me out on that, I'm going to, I got to look Googling. We're Googling very quickly. Iowa Hawkeyes national football championships. Um, let's see. You guys haven't won since like 1960. Who cares? Well, well, you, your, your zero was dismissed to five. So, well, pre-1960, it was a different game. I don't care. <laughs> uh, let's I'll give you that. Let's see how many national championships they have. I think they just have one in 1990. We, we tend to choke after we get in the top five. Well, yeah, that's usually what happens. Most chicks do choke after the first five. Um, how would you know? <laughs> I said after the first five. Okay, I'm not claiming anything. A wild. friend of a friend <laughs> told him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyway, this got weird really quick. Okay, there was that question. Why is Iowa the most boring state? I would say Iowa is not the most boring state. What do you, each of you guys can answer. Rick, go ahead and go first. What do you think is the most boring state? Oh, gosh. Probably Arkansas. You're wrong about that, but go ahead and uh, answer, Morty. Oh, that's a good one. I, I don't know. I, he said Arkansas. I, I don't, I think North Dakota. Like, I don't, what, what are you going to do over there besides drill oil? Like, I, I don't know. I've never been to North Dakota, so I can't speak to that. Exactly. What, um, what reason do you have to go to North Dakota? That's why, that's why exactly. I picked it. Of the states I've been to, it's clearly Kansas. Clearly Kansas. There is nothing to do in Kansas. I feel um, like that's what all the Midwestern states do, though, when this argument gets brought up. 
we just point fingers at each other. Kansas. Yeah. It's always Kansas. No, I, I like Iowa, man. I would, I would encourage anybody that votes the right way to move here, which is funny. When I first moved here, people found out I was from Colorado. They're like, well, don't bring your politics here. And I said, don't worry. I'm fucking leaving Colorado because of that. <laughs> um, but I would, I would honestly like to be dead honest. Like I, I consider myself, you know, fairly right for the most part. Uh, I would say I'm definitely not as far right as a lot of the people that live here, though. I, I would say I'm Colorado red, probably not Iowa red, though. That's fair. Yeah, there's some pretty far right red people around here. Oh, yes. They will, <laughs> they will argue with you in a Casey's parking lot about it. <laughs> All right. Here's a, I have to be careful now because people, there's some people here that have actually found out who I am and what I do, which it's a small town, right? Shit happens. Um, I got some guy was something about California came up in an O'Reilly in town. And I started talking shit about California. He's like, Hey, Hey, what's so bad about California? I'm like, well, you fucking live here now. Don't you, you know, I just trash California. He's like, Oh, that's not fair. There's lots of good people that live there. Sure. There are. I mean, there are tons of good people that live there. I've talked to them on the podcast, but it's fucking California, man. Just saying, um, more corn related questions. I say it's predominantly more corn related or how boring Iowa is. Yeah. What is the strangest, most fucked up corn related call you've been on? I don't know that I've been on a corn related call. <laughs> you don't have one? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. One I... corn related call. No. No. Nope. You guys are fucking disappointing. Like people do not live in the corn here. Like I don't understand why everybody's so fascinated with the corn. Yes, they do. I live here. They live in corn. There's corn and soybeans. That's it. Man, I don't know. I, I've not had any call. I'm, I mean, I've seen vehicles dragging corn stalks down the roadway. <laughs> that's something. But I don't think that's really a crime. I mean, if they were driving in the field, depending on who it was, I guess, if it's trespassing or whatever. I mean, you definitely have a lot of rednecks. Like, there's a lot of high school, college age kids that like to coyote hunt. And I know some people who've like blown up trucks because they're driving 65 down a cornfield and they hit like a field, you know, waterway or something and drop the tranny in because they're chasing coyotes. I mean, that's kind of some stupid stuff they're doing, but. Uh, Did you just say tranny? I'm triggered. Um, <laughs> now it is, it's assumed if you're from Iowa, you know, Slipknot. So obviously you guys know Slipknot. Yep. Yep. You guys know Corey Taylor personally. You've been to his house. Yeah. Every Sunday. What do you guys think about Slipknot fans? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mind them. I, I don't listen to heavy rock very often or rock in general very often. So, I, I mean, I, I have listened to their music and enjoyed the ones that I have listened to. I'll give them that. So, you're not, when you're out storm chasing and looking at supercells, you're not listening to the Slipknot? No, I'm usually I'm not listening to Slipknot. I mean, if that's what the viewers want, then yeah, I, I absolutely. All the time. I put it on the PA and everything. You Don't be a sellout. Rick, <laughs> your brother's kind of a nerd, right? A little bit little bit do you wear glasses morty i do not oh you seem like a guy that would wear glasses i do not do you have a pocket protector i do not you're a fucking liar I, Rick, what, do you, what do you think about what do you think about slipknot i think you're a good band and you gotta you gotta support your your fellow guys from iowa they've given us a lot of good press but yeah yeah i love i love slipknot what do you like better stone sour or slipknot probably slipknot stone sour is good too i don't have anything bad to say about either of them but it, it Head to head, I'd give it to Slipknot. I I used to hate Slipknot because of the kids in high school. And that's that really dates me, by the way. 
Slipknot was a thing in high school. I'm in my fucking late 30s now. Slipknot was a fucking thing in high school. That's crazy. But I didn't like the Slipknot kids in high school because I thought they were all D-bags. But once I started listening to them, I'm like, oh, Slipknot's fucking badass. I've actually never seen Slipknot. I've seen Stone Sour, but I've never seen Slipknot play. So I, I, that has to happen. Hopefully in Iowa, that would be perfect. Yeah, I think they play the Iowa State Fair pretty frequently. Is there any band more famous than Slipknot that's come out of Iowa that you can think of? Not that I can think of. They probably have the top spot. I can't even think of another band out of Iowa. I can't either. He's the one that's knowledgeable of bands and music, not me. So if he can't think of one, then I I can't think of anything either. You know, it's another band that's surprisingly from the Midwest, from Omaha. 311. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Nope. I had no idea. Yeah. You probably you probably don't know who 311 is. Don't fucking kid yourself. <laughs> Do Iowa cops quit if they have to answer one more than one call a shift? <laughs> cops quit. Uh, that that sounds like a, a question. I don't know why Ohio comes to mind. That sounds like some somebody from Ohio came up with. Uh, I have never heard that. No, I I've had even in my small town. Like I've had. I mean, it doesn't sound like much comparative to a a bigger city in Colorado where you're going call to call to call to call. But I've had several days where I go call to call and you just, I don't know, they're not really anything too severe as far as what it is that the offense was. So it's never anything I've ever thought of like, Oh, I'm going to quit because I've answering too many calls. Cause there's plenty, plenty of days where I don't have a single call. You know, and it's obviously like a sarcastic question, but some guy gets on here and comments, well, I work in a big city and we have 45,000 calls a year. Dude. It's a joke. Calm down. Let's see. How often do you uh, more corn related questions? I'm only going <laughs> to ask corn related corn. questions if they're good. Grand theft. This is funny. How many grand theft corn investigations have you done? That's pretty good. I thought you said you weren't going to do corn related things. How's that funny? <laughs> I thought it's funny. Um, what state is Iowa in? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, I would venture to guess a lot of people don't know where this state is, in all honesty. I don't even know how I ended up here. It's kind of weird. What your family okay. think about Iowa, man? I was going to ask you that. How of, of all places you went from Colorado, why did you move to Iowa? Should I tell the story? I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but since we're here, here's basically what happened. We all know that I was a cop Colorado and uh, the terminology I've been using lately is my cup was full and my cup was fucking full. I was done. So uh, hindsight being 2020, now that I've had some time to reflect on it, I sort of wish I would have maybe looked more at like lateraling out of state. Uh, but at the time I was just done. So I think the timeout has done some good as far as like reflecting on everything. It's, it's been good. It's been a good timeout. And you hear about people like, ah, they leave and come back and it's not a big deal. So that's, that's probably, I'd assume would be me depending on how my life goes. But the, the reason we ended up in Iowa is basically uh, we were looking at places that were more affordable to live that had, I hate to say politics came into play, but they did a little bit, especially if I wanted to get into law enforcement is I wanted to go a place where I knew there was community support. And so, you know, we looked at places where, you know, maybe our ideals lined up a little bit better and that were more affordable, frankly, because, you know, you can't, you can't afford a house in fucking Denver. So we, we took this road trip across the country and we checked out all kinds of places, you know, where we did not go. We did not go to Iowa, but it was on the list of places. Maybe we could, 
you know, live in. And, and we had some houses and areas we were going to check in Iowa. We just didn't quite make it there on a road trip. We didn't have enough time. But I've lived in Nebraska before, so I kind of felt like I already knew what Iowa was all about. And uh, basically, long story short, is uh, my wife found a decent job out here, and we came out here and checked it out. And we're like, we like it here. And so she took the job, and we ended up in fucking Iowa. What's your family think about it over here? What my family thinks of Iowa. So my folks, I don't know. I don't think they really mind it too much. It's, I don't think it, it sucks being far away from family. That's the thing that really sucks is being, I don't know. I always said that I didn't want to be far away from my folks as I got older so I could help out. But here I am as I fucking moved far away. So that kind of sucks. Um, and then my brothers, you know, they're in Colorado still and they've come out a few times. I think they like it out here. It's just or the Denver area, Colorado offers things differently. And, you know, as much as I trash Colorado, there are some good things out there. I mean, there's, you got the fucking mountains, you have nice stuff out there. I, but I think every time they've come out here, they've liked it, but it's, it, if you're used to the big city things and the big city commodities, it's a lot different. Yeah. I mean, it's with the exception of, like we said, understanding, knowing that you're going to have to drive, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to go somewhere to do something fun or to go shopping. I mean, it's not a terrible place to live. It's relatively safe. I mean, with the exception of a couple of cities um, that are predominantly crime ridden. I mean, otherwise it's not something that's typically in the news a lot because we don't have a lot of shit going on. Most of the people are worried about doing meth instead of shooting at each other or shooting up, you know, schools or churches or shit like that. We just don't have that. So it's, it's, to me, I get more worried when I go on vacation to other big cities. Like we just got back from Seattle. Like it was kind of nerve wracking. Why would like, you do that? Well, so my fiance works for a state agency. She's like a really high up administration and they had a, a convention out there and we just, you know, when every time she has her conventions, I go with her. So like, we're going to St. Louis next month. We just went to Seattle. I'll be going to Montana in a couple of years. Like we just get to travel. So it's kind of fun to go with each other instead of being apart. But it was nerve wracking to be like the politics and shit they have going on over there. Like what to expect? Like, should I take my gun? Should I not take my gun? Like, can we go to certain places out to eat? Like, should we stick around where we're going to be in the hotel? It was, I mean, granted you're in a fucking hotel with 20 floors of nothing but cops. So like you're, you're probably in the safest place in Seattle you could possibly be. You know, even if someone tried to come and do something stupid, like everyone's probably armed. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was just it was an experience to go out and do stuff. We love going to the beach, like going to Florida and Pensacola. Like we love going there. But I get more nervous when I go anywhere else. Like even if I go to Iowa City or Des Moines, like I, I never know what to expect when I go there. And those are relatively smaller towns, like compared to Chicago or Denver. I was going to or- say Des Moines, when I went through, didn't seem that bad. It was a Sunday, though, so everything was kind of slowed down. But I was kind of like, wow, downtown Des Moines doesn't seem that bad. Well, I mean, if you look at, I don't want to say just the statistics, but just look at the news. Like you you type up Denver, Colorado news today, the fucking stabbing or shooting or whatever's going on. Like you might go a couple days in Des Moines or Waterloo without having that. Like you just don't get them as often. So they're, there's definitely shit bags, but they, they seem to predator themselves more so than others. So we don't really have that worry in the state. You know, you're pretty comfortable to go wherever you want and not have to worry 
is it safe to go into this restaurant or is it safe to go shopping at this center? Like you still have that. What do you think's the worst crime? What, let me rephrase that. Cause that didn't make sense. Crime wise. What's the worst city in Iowa? Crime wise um, right now, it's probably, I would say I've got buddies that work for, you know, Iowa city or Cedar Rapids and they're getting pretty bad because they're getting a lot of flood over from Chicago. And I'm sure Davenport, being like right on the Mississippi river, it's easy for people to come from Chicago and Milwaukee. Um, St. Louis is another one that's not too far away. Minneapolis isn't that far away. So we're kind of in the middle of all those big cities where there's a lot of shit that trickles down or trickles over or goes up and down the interstate or, you know, the highways. Um, But I would say one of those three places, probably Cedar Rapids, Iowa city, Davenport, because it's nothing but your people who are running they're running from Chicago because they shot and killed somebody. So they're hiding out in Davenport or Iowa city. And then they're coming over here, shooting at people and they're just keep bouncing back and forth from these cities because they all have warrants and they don't want to get caught. Where had the, was it, I'm trying to think, was it Cedar? I'm, I'm having a total brain fart. What was the city that just had the mass shooting? Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Okay. And that's what part of the state is that? That's in your you consider it southeast or like central east okay yeah i i saw that the other day i was like wow something in iowa i i was gonna ask and i I forgot to ask this earlier but i have this perception and i know this is kind of a dangerous perception to have but even your your quote-unquote criminals you know your meth heads you know the guys that you're gonna catch with user amounts of meth you know the guys doing burglaries and thefts and stuff that would you is it safe to say that generally most of those guys, even though they're criminals, they're probably not going to be the worst with you as far as like fighting and giving you shit? I think it depends on what, what version of them you're dealing with, essentially. Um, are they strung out? Are they actively high? Are they in a state where they're mentally clear? It just kind of depends. I mean, it's it, honestly, it's like dealing with different people, depending on what stage of the game you're dealing with them. Um, I've, I've been pretty lucky with the ones that I've dealt with most of the time they they've been pretty decent, but uh, no, they can, with those guys, you just never know. It's just like rolling the fucking dice. It just depends on what time you catch them at. I know plenty of guys that have gotten in fights with those kind of guys. Step in and say, like, I've gotten in fights with people who are high. Uh, They're the guy that we arrested last year. He had PCP ecstasy meth. He blew like a point two eight or something um he was high on a lot of stuff and he just you you couldn't do anything and and one thing i didn't hit on before and i know this is probably something that you will take interest in you know beings that you might want to come back into this field especially in a rural area like iowa is i feel like my brother and i are both very intelligent with our mindset to have verbal jujitsu on people knowing that your backup is probably 10, 15, 20 minutes away. Um, I don't want to fight with people because I know that I'm alone. And once I start fighting, I've, I've seen it where I've had to go, you know, code three to assist a guy in the next town over and he's fighting with somebody. When I get there, the only thing left on his belt is a gun. He couldn't call on his radio and we had no idea he was even fighting it. It was a passerby that called me on my cell phone. To be like, hey, just so you know, you guys have a cop over here and he's fighting with somebody in a ditch. I'm like, seriously? 
And so I called into dispatch and I'm like, Hey, there's somebody fighting with one of our officers. There's two, two people fighting him. Like, and he can't call us. So let's send guys over. So, you know, we're probably the most, I guess the way I would say it is the way that we have to deal with the public. It's mostly going to be about how you communicate with them. Even the people that I've dealt with that are high on uh, methamphetamine and, and I've got my local dopers. Um, you have to talk to them in a way where they don't feel as heightened or threatened because I think most of them feel like their freedom is at, at stake, which it is because you're more than likely going to take them to jail. But if you can describe it to them to get them to understand like, Hey, you know, it's not a big deal. You're going to go to jail for public intox or possession. You're going to go see the magistrate in the morning. You'll get out, you know, could be a couple of days, could be in just eight hours. I'll, we'll book you in and you'll be out. But I know I've seen times where I've pulled somebody out with a warrant and you watch them get into a stance or clench their fists and you know that shit's about to start and you're like, God damn it, is it really going to happen to me and my backup's 25 minutes away? But you talk to them and be like, look, dude, it's it's a thousand dollar bond with 10% cash or surety. Get a hundred bucks. Call a buddy when you get to jail. I'll let you make a call, whatever. It's not a big deal. You can get out. And you just watch them de-escalate. And I, I think with that attribute that we both have, I know that it saved me from being in several fights just being able to talk to people and be like, Hey man, I know you're going through some stuff right now. Not a big deal, but you got this warrant. We're going to take care of it. You know, just come with me. I don't want to have to fight you. I don't want to have to tase you. You're just going to get more charges. We'll just deal with what we got right now and we'll go forward. And being able to talk to those people in a way to kind of protect yourself while you're either waiting for backup or just trying to deal with it on your own. I, I think communication is probably the most vital piece of equipment I have on my belt. And I know that's cliche because a lot of cops, you know, get that training in the Academy or whatever. And we take, Iowa has the de-escalation training that's required every year. And they go over some of that stuff, but it's, it's mostly stuff you learn in the field because what they teach you, you know, you can have a, a spiel that you go over the same people and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then you have to go into another one and then another one and another one to try to find whatever it is that makes sense to that person to get them to understand like, hey, he's not out to hurt me or, hey, you know, this isn't going to ruin my life. It's just something I need to take care of. And, and that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from being by myself or being alone. And, and I know my brother, you know, sometimes we do worry about each other because we hear each other's calls. We talk to each other on the phone a lot when we're working because it not only does it help pass the time, but like we learn and grow with each other in this job, go over experiences, what worked, what didn't to try to better ourselves. But I know there's times where like, I I've heard certain calls that he's dealing on and I'm like, Oh man, his backup so far away. Like, I hope everything's okay. And you just don't know what's going on. And, and it does kind of affect you, but we both have an understanding of, you know, like he, he's going to be all right. I've, I know him. I know his mindset, skill set. I'm not worried. And, and I can say, I don't, I don't think I worry as much as most people might worry about a loved one or like my significant other would worry about me. Cause I know she does get worried because I'm by myself, but she also knows that my brother's right here. So if something happens and he knows about it, he's going to come down here. And it's the same with me. Like I, I let my city council know, like if anything happens 
up in that county and my brother's working and he's out there, I'm going. I don't care what you people say. Like, I'm going as fast as I could possibly drive this car because I don't know how long his backup's going to be away. And if I know I can get to him in 15 minutes, I, I don't care if I'm from a different agency. I just, I would want that backup. So I just would, would let that be known to him. Like, Hey, you always have somebody who's going to come back you up if you need it. I, you know, I'm moved by that. Actually, you made me feel feelings. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the way my, my question came across was, was very ignorant and I'll own that too, because, uh, you know, you guys are in, in Maryberry and, you know, the, even the stoners are, you know, the tweakers are nice to you. Which is not fair, right? And you guys both made the point too. Like, depends on where you catch them too. And I think that was the same, you know, where I work too. Is it, you know, if you caught them on a good day, it's, it's going to be fine. The, the talking to people and the communication, I, I sometimes even to this day, I feel like that's kind of lost on people. And you know, as a big city cop, I, I always prided myself on my ability to, to talk people down and not have to fight with people. But I'll tell you, as a big city cop. You know, if I knew, all right, we're probably gonna have to fight with this dude and I could hear my cover pulling up. All right, my cover's here. I'm going hands on. You know what I mean? Where you guys, you don't have that luxury where, you know, you're going to have somebody there in 30 seconds to back you up. You're, you're waiting several minutes. So a, for the people that work in rural agencies that just heard all that food for thought, B, the people that work in cities that heard all that food for thought. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that helped both of us is our background in, security in a hospital setting because we both did that before we got into law enforcement and I gotta tell you I was I was uneasy a little bit before then about uh, going hands-on with people which that's that's what happens when you're new to the profession uh, but after being in the hospital setting I have fought more people there than I have in my entire law enforcement career and that that's a uh, hell of a trial by fire for that kind of stuff where, I mean, that, that's the worst of the worst is what you're going to get in the hospital setting. The guys that the cops don't want to deal with because they're too crazy. What do we do? We drop them off the hospital. And then we're the ones that get to, to deal with them. So that's, that, that's a really good way to, to make sure that you're ready to deal with those people. Cause it, I mean, there's, there's no run in there. Cause when most people get in those situations, it's, it's fight or flight, right? Well, you take flight out of that equation. What do you got left? And I, you, you got to be ready for it. And that's, like I said, it was kind of trial by fire, but it was one of the best things I ever did. There's all this, all my security listeners are very excited by what you just said. I'll agree to what, what my brother said about the hospital setting. Like when I worked at the hospital, I was the exact same mindset that he was. And like, when people would start to get agitated, I'm like, Oh boy, you know, they told us that we might have to go hands on with somebody, but you know, here, here's, it's going to happen any second. Now this person's going to snap. And I've been kicked. I've been punched as hard as somebody could punch me in the face, like been tackled with somebody who tried to bite me. Like I've been through pretty much anything I can think of at the hospital. Like that's just the stuff that you go through. And like, I, I can kind of see people when they get ramped um, or know like something's about to come and you have all those indicators that you look for, you know, the way that people stand or the way they move, they move their hands or you know, they're looking around to see if, you know, where the exits are or who's around, who can see, help them, whatever. Um, and, and I pick up on that stuff and I just let our dispatch know and be like, hey, I'm going to be going hands on with this guy. If you want to have another buddy, another person route. That way I know like, yep, you know, even if I have to go hands on with this person, I might try to go slowly knowing that they're coming, but I know they're coming. So even if I have to wrestle with somebody for five minutes, like they're going to be there sometime soon. And, I, and I'm pretty versed in, I think, 
you know, my brother and I have, we practice DT and stuff with each other. So we know, you know, what to kind of expect. And, and he's not a small guy. He's a very fit person. So, you know, if I'm going to wrestle with somebody who's fit and can hold my own, I'm pretty positive. I can hold my own with somebody who's probably a piece of shit because all they're doing is smoking and not eating well and not taking care of themselves. But there are people out there that still look like shit because of the stuff they do. And they're pretty fucking strong, but I'm pretty comfortable in knowing I can hold my own until my backup gets there. Yeah. There's a such thing as tweaker strength for sure. Yeah. But once, once that wears off, then the Dorito strength does not go for very long. That wears out pretty quick. All right. I've got one more question from Facebook and then we're going to get into the real good stuff. The question is, how many idiots out wandering around do you really deal with? Or is it the whole state? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I kind of depends. Um, for me, uh, being in the town that I'm in, I do my own patrol whenever I don't have anything else going on. But I would say a majority of the people I deal with on the street are contacts that civilians have called into the sheriff's office as suspicious. Um, whether it's just a person wandering around or knocking on doors or something like that. Um, as far as like how often or how many, it's, it, obviously the weather has to do with it. The warmer it gets, the more people are going to be out and about and you're going to get those calls. But in my area, I mean, it's probably only a few times a month. Did you get the out with the, the idiots out walking around or out wandering around? I mean, I think for the idiots out wandering around, I mean, I guess I kind of goes with the tweakers. That's what I mean. Like we only get a couple of those calls a month. Like I don't, I don't deal with them a whole lot. You got got like I got got when somebody first hit me with that. The acronym stands for Iowa idiots out walking, wandering oh, around. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, didn't, didn't think that one. Got him. I should have asked Rick too, but I'm just buzzing you, buddy. Buzzing. All right. You guys ready for the good stuff? Let's do it. Yeah. Is acronym the word the right phrase anyway? I'm not even quite sure. Yeah. Acronym. I did it. All right. Um, don't disappoint me here, boys. In your opinion, Rick, you go first. Since you've been ignored, you were the one that hit me up, but your fucking brother just talks all over you, buddy. Is that what it's like being the little brother? Is he just sorry? I lost you there for a second. Uh, I was gonna say, is that what it's like, Rick, to just you know, he just throws his weight around and just you know, he talks over you, even though you're the one that wanted to be on the podcast. That's that's older brother stuff, man. That's normal. I'm the older brother, and um, I don't feel like I'm a bully, but I've been accused of it. I don't think it's true, though. But Rick, in your humble opinion, what is the best police car of all time? It's it's Crown Vic, man. Hands down. No question. You know what I think of that? I think that is a great, wonderful answer. And for that, I have a prize. Don't worry, I'm gonna edit that so it sounds so much cooler. All right, now, oh, oh, I started it again. I'm a podcaster. Um, Leave that in, poorly made. Poorly made. Yeah. All right, Morty, in your humble opinion, what is the best patrol car of all time? Well, it's, it's obviously the Crown Bag. That's why I bought one. <laughs> I 
think this is really funny, but I don't think anybody else is funny as my drunk ass does okay <laughs> now let's just get to the what really people want to know the question that i can't take out of the podcast and why this will never be a legitimate podcast morty have you ever yes. shit your pants uh negative you're a fucking liar rick have you ever sh- shit your pants i have as an adult i have let's hear it buddy I, it's nothing too in-depth or crazy, man. I mean, when you're sick and you're recovering and you're trying to get to that point where you can trust a fart again, sometimes you lose that battle. See, and that's why I think people are lying because everyone's been sick and, you know, blasted one out and they thought they were just trying to, you know, clear out a little bit. And it was, they cleared out for sure. It's just a little bit more, you know? So I have a follow-up question with this. Okay. My brother and I are on the same page of this and I'm confused. Why is it that, Almost every cop that we talk to feels the need to take their belt keepers off before they take a shit when they're on duty. Because we do not. We just unbutton our belt and slide your pants down and do your stuff. That is weird to me that people have to take their belt keepers off. I, I'm going to tell you guys right now, and maybe it's because I poop so much. I'm with you guys. I never. Why? Why would you do that? I just fucking undo my belt and take a shit. And then I pull my pants back up, tuck my shirt in fucking tighten everything up i will say though that occasionally you might have to adjust the keepers again because it the the belt never goes on the same way right you get it on perfect before you start your shift and then you take it off to take a shit or you like you adjust and it just it's not right i think everybody knows what i'm talking about i never took the keepers off so we're you're preaching the choir here i kept it on i'm glad we're not alone yeah maybe i'll have to do a poll about that on this podcast as if you if you remove the whole thing, it depends on where you are too. I mean, I don't know if I, depending on where I was at, maybe I would just take everything off and that way I could get everything back on the right way sometimes. But I don't know. I just, it's like a time waste, you know, especially if I'm trying to be quick, if I got a call pending and I'm just trying to push one out really quick, why am I taking everything off? It's just, it'll go right back on. I don't know. That's, that's that, me though. That hey, are man. people who take their shirts off too, when they go poop, like what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know how many George Costanzas we have out here, but I, that's that's too much. <laughs> yeah, that I yeah you're I I was not that guy. You know what that that needs to be the next uh, question on the podcast, guys. Is uh, do you take your keepers off when you take a shit at work? There you add go. that to your list. <clears throat> you guys are contributors. Although I'm drunk and I'll probably forget about it. I'll try and I'll try and write it down when I'm editing this podcast, which will be heavily edited because Rick doesn't know how to use a fucking computer. Well, guys, I think that's the only questions I'm going to go with today, except for the world famous, what everybody needs to hear. Even though I got to be honest, man, you guys dropped some fucking great wisdom throughout the podcast. Um, We're going to let Rick go first because Morty's clearly smarter. Rick, do you have any imparting words of wisdom for the millions of listeners? You son of a bitch. Where did you go? You made him log off. He logged. He got so upset when I said you were smarter that he logged off. <laughs> On paper, he's actually quite, quite intelligent. He's a lot smarter than I am. I'll, I'll admit that. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Okay. Are you fix your you have... Wi-Fi? Yeah. What my, are you doing, buddy? My Rick... Wi-Fi is full. I don't know what the fuck the deal is. Yeah. Whatever. You just got mad that I said Morty was smarter. Who do you think smarter, Rick? You or Morty? Uh, I think it's probably pretty close. You guys both sound very similar. Like sometimes I got to actually look at the Zoom meeting to see who's talking. Do you yeah, guys he, look similar too? 
no well no I, I think we look a little bit different but we've gotten yelled at by our, our grandmother because when we talk to her on the phone she doesn't know who she's talking to you know when i call my mom i always make a weird voice and i know my brother does too so she never knows who's calling her it's awesome <laughs> um so rick do you have any imparting words of wisdom for the millions of listeners yeah so with the profession that we all work in, I, I think it's a big thing to just, just make sure you guys do what makes you happy when you're not working, like whatever that is, even if it's stupid little shit, just, just do what makes you happy. Um, whatever that is, spend time with your family. I mean, you like going out and I don't fucking care if you go out and play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever the fuck it is, who cares? Just do what makes you smile. That's the big thing. Cause if you're not happy, you can't do this job efficiently. So and, what you're saying is Akuna Matata. Absolutely. What a wonderful phrase. Man, we could break out in song right now, but that would be weird. Did I cut you off? Did you have anything else to say, buddy? Yeah. Um, and then I just wanted to give a real quick shout out to the families. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. God, he's creating so much work for me. And this was his idea. You remember that? I do remember that. I, I'm honestly, I'm just going to leave it all in. Who cares? Fuck you guys. No, I think it's, I think it's funny. People are going to be like, oh, he's at it again. He's at it again. <laughs> well, are you good? I'll, you guys hear me? I can't hear you. And for the millions of people listening, I'll probably get, keep this in, but this is like the eighth time it's happened. But go ahead, Rick. What are you going to tell us about families before you cut out again? I was just going to say that just kudos to all the families out there because, you know, your, your wives, husbands, kids, none of them signed up for this, but kudos to them for all the the family time together missed and you know all the birthday parties and all the kids concerts and everything else that you don't get to go to um i know it sucks but uh just just thank you guys because i i know we tend to get a lot of thank yous and what we do but sometimes the families get kind of overlooked so i just wanted to take some time out to thank everybody for that um and then for all the cops out there my biggest words of wisdom is slow the fuck down uh, that's, that's one of the things that I got told at the Academy is whenever you're going to a call and you're thinking about turning on your lights, um, just ask yourself what crime is being committed and who is in danger. So just remember that you go balling fucking all the way hard to this call that you might not need to and end up dead. Cause obviously we don't, we don't want that. We've, we've all been to enough police funerals. Yeah, remember, kids, that more cops generally get killed in our car accidents than, it, than they do in assaults. So not always true, but generally. Morty, do you have any words of wisdom? Well, I, he kind of touched on it, but my thing was just going to be take your vacation. Um, I know a lot of guys, especially when they first start, they're just they want to work, 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 or they would rather work than go to functions or whatever or you know, they feel more comfortable at work. So they work a lot. Like just take those trips, take the vacation. Um, I love being away from the job just as much as I love doing the job, but you got to find something to help balance, get you away from the job a little bit just to kind of clear your mind before you come back to it, because it, it's a very demanding job. Um, it's easy to get burned out because yeah, you deal with kind of the same stuff over and over. And at the same token, a lot of things different each day that you come to work, but take the vacations, go do something, enjoy the family life because this is all we have. You know, you can't take the time back. So just utilize what you can to take vacations, take the trips, whether it's by yourself or with your family, whatever, 
just take time off and enjoy it. And not to steal your thunder, but this kind of reigns true. And I think you guys would probably agree with me. That whole thing, that whole saying of pay for experiences, not for possessions. That's a hundred percent true, man. Like you're going to look at all this stuff and be like, Oh, this is cool stuff, but you never forget the trips and the experiences and the fun shit you do. So I I'm, I'm one of those guys for sure. The experience over the possession, yeah, unless it's sure. a, unless it's a cool gun, then that's pretty cool. But other than <laughs> which I might, I might go buy some pew pews tomorrow morning. So I'm excited for that. Well, boys, I, I appreciate you guys both coming on here uh, more Morty than Rick, because Rick uh, doesn't know how to use a computer, <laughs> but Sorry, uh, you guys were, you guys were awesome. And uh, I'm going to try and find myself up your way someday. And we'll have some fucking beers. Fuck yeah, man. Hell yeah, yeah brothers. Anytime, right. man. You're, you're welcome. Well, Hey guys, if you want to keep supporting this podcast, you guys know what to do. You guys have been fucking awesome. I'm very humbled that anybody listens, but, you want to support the co- podcast, spread the word that fucking helps a bunch. You know, sometimes Facebook, Instagram doesn't like me so much. So even word of mouth, even now is amazing. And then uh, if you got a, some spare change, change, spare change, anyone, I should put a little sign up. I should make a meme. Of, nope. I should not make a meme of a bum on a side of a roadway with my, my link. But you know, if you guys want to help out and donate a couple bucks to the uh, podcast, just click the link at the very end. Steal your mom's credit card, uh, the farmer's credit card, whoever, and uh, put your credit card information in there and you can help me out every month. Send me a couple bucks. Uh, Merchandise, I got all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, The coins, I'm probably going to be doing a long-term coin thing. We'll see how that works out. And then, uh, of course, take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast because without them, I'd have to go get a real job. Nobody actually wants that. And if you do patronize them, let them know where where you heard them from. That doesn't make sense. If you do patronize them, Let them know that you heard of them from me. It helps me out quite a bit. With that said, remember, there's more to Iowa than corn and Slipknot. It's all bullshit, and I love most of you. Bye-bye.